today we start uh, a two-part uh, study on the doctrine of salvation, uh, which is called soteriology uh, in a technical term, but uh, the doctrine of salvation. So we're going to be looking at what does the Bible say about salvation. Uh, we'll talk about sin, what sin is, and now we're not going to get too technical. We'll try to use, uh, we'll try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. How about that? Does that sound good? Uh, so that we can all reach them. I'm a little short, so I need them on the bottom shelf anyway. So I knew that was coming from somebody uh, over here, not too far from me. Uh, uh, probably uh, Brother Joe. <laughs> you know what he just told me? I just got to tell this. this. He dreamed this. He dreams this kind of stuff. He just told me that uh, he dreamed that, uh, that uh, he told us we could buy golf clubs for Brother John. That would fit him, right? And then we could cut him in half, and then we both could have a set of golf clubs. I just wanted to know who gets the good end of the club. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're, we're going to be looking at uh, what sin is, what faith is, what repentance is. In next week's lesson, because we're continuing this study on salvation... Uh, which fits within this framework of apostolic doctrine. Uh, we'll be learning about the baptisms, the Holy Spirit baptism, water baptism, what baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms. The writer of Hebrews talks about these kinds of things, these kinds of principles or uh, uh, basic elementary principles uh, are foundational issues and that they need to be laid in the foundation of what we believe. And uh, we need to be clear of, the, of these things. And so hopefully today, uh, as we revisit the concept of sin, as we revisit the concept of uh, faith, and as we revisit the concept of repentance, we'll be reminded of what these things mean. We need to be clear on those. Obviously, we don't uh, dwell on those a lot, but those need to be in the foundation of our belief system so that we can build on a solid foundation. The, the writer of Hebrews says that we shouldn't lay again the foundation and uh, it's important that the foundation is there but we don't go back and dig up the site and and lay the foundation again uh, we just build upon the solid foundation of these principles and so that's why we've taken some time in this track here in the sanctuary to talk about uh, apostolic biblical doctrine and what 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 it is so let's go to uh, let's go to the book of Luke Luke chapter 19 and we'll read verses 1 through 10 in a moment I think it's interesting as we read through the book of Luke to note Luke's mention of tax collectors. He weaves throughout his uh, narrative uh, the tax collector within uh, his story of Jesus and the gospel. And I think it's important for us to note that. Luke chapter 3, he talks about many tax collectors coming to John and being baptized of John. And uh, they asked, what, what do we need to do from here? And he said, quit defrauding people. And then he went on to tell them, hey, look for one who is coming after me, who's mightier than I, uh, who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so this is within the storyline of the tax collector. And a few chapters later, we meet a man by the name of Levi. Uh, we also known him as Matthew and uh, just a side note, he's the one who wrote the book of Matthew. So it's interesting to know that a 
former tax collector wrote a gospel. And then as Matthew is following Jesus, because this is what Jesus said to him, come follow me. As Matthew starts him, his following of Jesus, he has this big feast at his house, this great feast. And the Bible says a great number of tax collectors and sinners came and heard about Jesus and heard Jesus in Matthew's house. Uh, that's Matthew chapter 5. Then we go on uh, later on into Matthew chapter 15. And uh, Luke tells us that a great company, a large group of tax collectors and sinners came to hear Jesus uh, and hear what he was teaching. And then in Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter 18, right after Jesus gives us the parable of the persistent widow, who is teaching us the need for persistence in prayer, right? He also gives us this principle uh, of not only persistence in prayer, that we don't allow pride to come in our lives because we pray. And here we have the Pharisee and the tax collector both praying in the temple. The Pharisee is proud of himself. I'm glad I'm not like this guy over here. Uh, oh, goodness, help us not to pray that way. Help us not to pray that way uh, in pride. Yeah, really, Luke chapter 18 gives us two things that we fight against when it comes to prayer. Persistence, consistency, and then if we can get the consistency thing right, often something that crops up in our life is pride. We start feeling better than other people because we pray. And we assume, because we don't see them pray, we're assuming they don't pray, which is a bad assumption. Uh, and so he gives us this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And he says, Jesus says this, who walks away justified? It's the one who humbled himself, the tax collector. And then in chapter 19, we're introduced to this man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a chief among tax collectors. And uh, he was very rich, the Bible tells us. Obviously, he had not met Jesus yet. But he had certainly heard about him. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. So let's go to verse number 1 in uh, Luke chapter 19. Jesus, he entered at Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, his na name means something we'll talk about later. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's important, an important part of the story. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And we'll just pass on that opportunity to say something about short people. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a synagogue, to, or excuse me, a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for I must stay at your house today. The one uh, who was looking for Jesus Zacchaeus, Jesus was also looking for him. And isn't that the story of mankind? We're looking for something. Sometimes we don't know what. But there is a God who is looking for us. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is the crowd. This is the response of the crowd. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Well, he started that way, but he didn't end that way, right? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 
Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation is come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's interesting that the story begins with Zacchaeus seeking Jesus. And it ends with the Son of Man seeking to save the lost. So we're going to ask three questions today in this lesson. What is sin? What is faith? And what is repentance? And we see all three of these things happening in this story that we read about Zacchaeus. So a a good working definition, that's certainly not the technical definition of sin, but sin is missing the mark or failing to reach or attain a goal. This is what sin is. It's missing the mark, failing to uh, reach or attain a goal. So what is the goal? If we we're missing the goal, what is the goal? Well, we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we can see that God made man in his image. And this, therefore, is the goal for us to be in the image of God, to be a reflection of who God is. And so anytime we reflect ourselves, our worldly attributes, our worldly attitudes, we're not reflecting what God wants us to reflect, what he's called us to reflect. And I might say what, what he has privileged us to reflect. And so anytime we miss that mark, it is what we call sin. We're not living the way God wants us to live. We're not treating people the way God wants us to treat people. We're not treating God the way God shall be treated. We're not even treating ourselves right. This is what the Ten Commandments are about, uh, giving us an idea of what sin looks like. So Zacchaeus was very rich, and, um, but he lacked something. Even though that wealth had uh, accumulated, and he was certainly not just rich, but the Bible says very rich he was not satisfied it left him looking for something and this is what sin does for us it leaves us looking for something something that uh, sin cannot provide for us it does not satisfy in our heart Um, he certainly was guilty of worshiping riches he was guilty of stealing giving false witness so that he could collect more taxes than was required for himself and Certainly coveting things that belong to other people. He was breaking many of the Ten Commandments. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, but he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So sin is not only uh, missing the mark, but it is walking away from God rather than toward God. This is what sin is. This is what the Apostle John said about sin in 1 John chapter Three, verse 4, anyone, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, lawlessness, because sin is lawlessness. This is what sin is, a good way to see sin. It is actually being a law unto ourselves, saying, I've got the right to decide for myself what I want to do. This is what the serpent offered Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Did God say, well, God knows you. If, if, if you eat, you're going to become like him. In other words, you're going to be a God uh, yourself. You're going to be able to uh, tell yourself what to do. You're not going to answer to anyone. And this is what some call the original sin, the sin of autonomy, wanting to control our lives. But this is not God, how, how God made us. He didn't make us 
with the ability to completely control our lives. We don't have uh, the, the, the understanding. We don't have the power. We don't have what is needed. So we need somebody to help us. This was the uh, covenant relationship that God created man in, this great need of God. So on, on one side is this idea that Satan was trying to sell. It was the, the idea of autonomy. And on the other side, if you want to say it this way, is this what some people think, you know, we don't have really have a choice. It's autonom uh, or being an automaton, a robot. We have no choices or we have all the choices. We get to make all the choices. We're sovereign. Our God is so sovereign, he's not ever given us a choice. But somewhere right in the middle of all this is this idea of free will where we work with God. We work with him in relationship and in covenant uh, and so that we can be the best version of who God has created us to be. And uh, sin is, is not meeting that mark, not being the best that we can be. So it's lawlessness. Sin, uh, life is meant to be this covenant relationship between us and God. And sin is a weight, if you want to say it this way, a weight that we're not meant to carry. Um, the writer of Hebrews said that we should lay aside every sin and weight which besets us. Why? Because we're, we're running a race. And uh, we don't carry uh, this, these weights with us when we're running. We, we take everything off of us we can. This is what great runners do. They, sh they uh, take everything that they can. Uh, they lose all the weight. They slim themselves down. They don't wear heavy clothing. They don't carry suitcases with them when they're running because they want to win the race. And so when we see things that easily beset us, we recognize, hey, this, some, this is something I need to lose so that I may run this race with patience that is set before me. Paul, uh, in the book of Romans, talks about, about sin, and he talks about the fact that the Gentiles are sinners. This is how he begins. He goes on to talk about the, the Hebrew people are sinners. And then in uh, chapter 3, verse 23, he makes this statement, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, every uh, person who's ever been born has sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we get a, another concept of what sin is. It's falling short of God's goal for us or God's idea for us. All of us have done this. And so we need, we need help. This is the, what is called the universal need for salvation. And we certainly need uh, salvation. We can't save ourselves. This is what, again, what uh, the serpent was trying to sell. You're, you can be a savior. You can be your own savior. You can be your own boss. You can tell yourself what to do and not listen to God. The truth is, is we need God, uh, and we need to listen to him. So sin is missing that mark. So what is faith? If sin is missing the mark, what is faith? Well, I think in order to understand faith, we need to understand what grace is. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is a free gift. It is God's work in humanity, what God's done. This is what Ephesians tells us. Paul wrote this. He said, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works or something that we've done so that no man or no one may boast. So grace is something that God gives us. 
Uh, faith, then, is the channel, if you want to say it this way, or the conduit through which grace flows to us. Both are necessary for salvation. But we, we don't earn salvation. We just let faith, or excuse me, grace flow to us through the channel of faith, our belief. We believe that what God's saying, that God is true, we believe in him, and this gives us the ability to allow grace to flow into our lives. Amen. Uh, Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He committed no sin. This is talking about Jesus. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been filled. So in order to understand faith, we have to understand the atoning work of Jesus Christ, that salvation is by grace through faith. Amen. So what is faith? Faith is that channel through which or that conduit through which the grace of God flows to us. Faith is man's positive response to God and uh, the means by which man accepts God's saving grace. Amen. This is how the Philippian jailer was able to respond to what was happening in his life uh, when Paul started teaching him and preaching him. You remember the story, Paul and Silas are in jail a great earthquake comes, their quake comes, and uh, they, all the prisoners, all the doors and cells were opened, and the prisoners were let loose, and the Philippian jailer was about to take his life because he, was, he knew what was going to happen. He was going to be killed at the hands of a Roman soldier. Uh, and Paul stopped him and began to tell him what was going on, opening his eyes to the truth of God, what God was doing uh, in this situation, what God was, certainly could do in his life. And the Philippian jailers simply asked, what, what must I do to be saved? And Peter, or Paul's response was, and Silas' response was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. So belief is this uh, understanding that what, what is being preached or taught about God uh, is true. And he, he began to accept the fact that there was more to life than what he was, he was understanding what there was. And so his response, and we'll see later, his response was obviously repentance, which led to baptism. Uh, and all throughout the book of Acts, you can see this. When the word of God is preached, mixed with faith, the response is baptism. And we'll talk more about that next week. But this, this is what happened in the life of, life of Zacchaeus. Jesus comes to where he was and looks up at him. He was looking for Jesus didn't realize that Jesus was looking for him. He said, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I'm coming to where you are. Uh, one of my pastors, uh, George Glass Jr., used to sing this song, He Came to Me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Amen. Some of you may remember that old song. Beautiful, beautiful words. And uh, what is the response of grace in our lives? Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received Jesus, the Bible says, joyfully. This is the faith response to the uh, message of Jesus, to receive it joyfully. 
So faith was that channel that allowed Zacchaeus to receive the grace of Jesus. Amen. So let's ask ourselves this morning uh, again, what is, what is sin? Sin is missing that mark, not measuring up to what God has called us to be. And the only way we can ever measure up is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. The atoning work that Jesus did for us. He himself bore our sins. And this is what gives us the ability to have faith in him. That, to allow that grace to flow to us. That channel through which grace flows into our lives. Aren't you so thankful for the grace of God? Amen. One writer said it this way, right? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. So what is repentance then? If sin is missing the mark and faith is this belief in God that uh, he is going to work in our lives. In fact, this is what the writer of Hebrews said, right? Without faith, is it impossible to please God? And then he goes on to help us out with this understanding of faith. For he says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he, he is a rewarder of those or them who diligently seek him. The only logical response to this understanding that God exists is to seek him. I've, I've talked to people, and in fact, I'll just be honest, I've been guilty of this. Believing God exists, but it not letting it filter down into my life. I've talked to people who say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But it's not, you know, their, their lifestyle is not getting the message. My lifestyle wasn't getting the message. My belief was not being carried down into my actions. The only logical response in believing that this almighty, wonderful, awesome God exists is for us to set out on this lifelong journey, this lifelong quest to discover him. Anything else is illogical. If we say we believe in God and the God of the scriptures, who is awesome and powerful and mighty and wonderful in all his ways, that must inspire in us, evoke out of us this diligent search for him that says every day, I'm looking for Jesus. Just like Zacchaeus, I'm looking for Jesus. So that every day we can find him in our lives, find him in, in creation, know him. I'm looking for Jesus. Amen. So repentance is it's a U-turn. You ever had to take a U-turn? I have to quite often. Oh, I missed the turn. If you're on the interstate, is Brother Chase in here? No, he's not. You take that, that little crossover that says, you know, authorized vehicles only. <laughs> I heard of a guy many years ago. He, he, he took that little road. And then when he got on it, he looked and saw there was a, a state trooper on the other side, not far from him, and his light started flashing. He's like, oh, no. Here he comes. So he pulled over, the, the tro trooper pulled over beside him, and, uh, or as he was coming, he was thinking fast. He said, oh. So he gets out of his car. He, popped, he pops his hood, raises his hood like something's wrong. 
Fortunately, that got him out of the ticket. Uh, he was thinking fast. But, you know, U-turns are important in our life. We have to take them sometimes. We need to take the authorized route, ra rather, not the unauthorized route. But uh, it, it, repentance is just basically turning around. It's a change of mind. It's not thinking the way we used to think about sin. The world likes to sell us the lie that sin is, is, is uh, fun. And well, I guess you, sometimes it probably is, right? But it's certainly, and this is what Moses discovered, the pleasures of sin were just for a season. The season ends. And thankfully, uh, around here, the season of summer has ended, right? Praise God. But sin is just for a season. It has an expiration date. And this is what Moses discovered. That it, it wasn't something that uh, lasted long. Uh, and so the world tries to tell us that this is it. We know there's more. And thank goodness we do. Uh, repentance is a change of mind. Repentance then is walking toward God rather than away from God. Right? As long as we walk toward God, we're walking in light. If we turn our backs and walk away from God, what is the, uh, the light of the sun do when we turn our back on the sun it casts the shadow in front of us so we're walking in darkness as long as we're walking toward god we're walking in truth and in light when we turn our backs on god we're walking away from god we're walking in darkness uh, so we need to be walking toward god instead of away from god we need to turn from our sin rather than uh live in our sin turn from our, from our sin turn toward god and here's the thing god's god's law is not grievous this is, you know, uh, the psalmist starts, Psalmist David starts Psalm 19 with this, this idea that the heavens declare the glory of God, how great God is. And then he goes on to say later on in the chapter that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want these kinds of things in their life rather than uh, sin? which may be pleasurable for a season, but it has an end. What does it gain a man or a woman if they get the whole world, they gain the whole world and lose their soul? It's just not wise. Amen. Uh, let me tell you what sin is not, or excuse me, uh, repentance is not. Repentance is not an apology or just an apology. Repentance is not just tears. I was, I was speaking to a man uh, a couple of months ago. He's, he was a guest in our home, and we were talking about the grace of God and thankful for it. And he made this statement. He said, well, you know, we all sin every day, don't we? And I said, um, well, we do sin, yes, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on the frequency of it. Uh, because I don't think we have to sin every day. Now, sometimes we do. But if we lock ourselves into this idea that we're going to sin every day, guess what we're going to do? We're going to get up in the morning and go, well, I'm going to sin. I might as well get it over with. Right? I mean, we set ourselves up for failure. I think we can go long periods of time without sinning, walking with the Lord. And we shouldn't set ourselves up with this idea that we're going to sin every day. Uh, so sin is, you know, uh, repentance doesn't have to, that kind of repentance at least doesn't have to happen every day. Repentance is not tears. This is what happened to Esau. 
He lost his birthright uh, because he was hungry. He sold it for a meal. So he didn't have high regard for his birthright until after he had lost it. And then when his father was, was blessing Jacob, he was, he was like, I want that birthright back. That was rightfully mine. And so in front of his father, he's pleading and repenting and crying. But it can, it can do him no good to get his birthright back. In fact, it wasn't even real repentance. Because if you read the Old Testament story, and the, the writer of Hebrews does this a lot. He'll, he'll drop an Old Testament story into the narrative and expect the readers to know the rest of the story. Because he doesn't have time to, to tell the, all the details. But if you read the Old Testament story, Esau, when his father refused to give him the blessing, he left that, that uh, scene uh, preparing to murder his brother. Is this the work of repentance? Is this a, the, the case of a, of a repentant heart? Is this how a repentant heart responds? No. So it wasn't that Esau couldn't find repentance. It's just that he didn't. So repentance is this U-turn. It's a change of mind. It's admitting that we're not right. And we turn to God. This is what Jesus said. He said, bear fruits worthy of repentance so repentance is more than just a few tears i'm sorry god but i'll do it tomorrow again and i'll ask you again to forgive me now and i look i i understand that some sin is more difficult to break in a person's life i understand that but there should be this effort to break that sin not this acceptance of that sin as well this is just the way i am we should we should bear fruit worthy of repentance. This is what Paul, Jesus said to Paul as he was uh, instructing him on his mission ministry to the Gentiles. He said to him, I've sent you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. This is what repentance does for us. From the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We can see all those elements, the understanding of sin, repentance, or faith and repentance here. He goes on to say that they should repent, which means turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Amen. I've, I've heard people say that, uh, oh, well, faith and Repentance and baptism, those are all works, and we're not saved by works. No, we're not saved by works, but these are obedient responses to faith in God. That's not a work. That's just doing what God has asked us to do. It's obedience, an obedient response to well, what God has done in our life. This is what faith does for us. Those standing on the day of Pentecost listening to Peter's sermon, The Bible says that uh, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that, that God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That means conviction set in. Oh, thank God when we hear the word of God and we can feel conviction, we ought to praise God for that and thank God for that. Every time conviction sets in our heart, what does it do? It, it causes us to ask this question, the same question that the Philippian jailer asked. What, what shall we do? 
What, what is there to do? I, I, I am, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. We've, we've done wrong. We broke God's law. We failed to measure up. What shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent. Right? Repent. This is what you need to do. You need to turn around. You need to quit going your way and go God's way. You need to do the U-turn. And he goes on to tell them what, what repentance will cause us also to do. And that is to be baptized in the name of Jesus and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The word mixed with faith produces repentance in our lives. This is what happened to Lydia in Acts chapter 16. The Lord opened her heart to what Paul was preaching. And when she did, she opened her heart to the word of God. Uh, she understood she was a sinner. Faith in what Paul was preaching happened and who Jesus was. She repented, obviously, because she was baptized uh, in that setting. Same thing happened to the Philippian jailer. He hears the word of God. He asks the question, what shall I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved and your whole household will be saved. That didn't stop. Didn't just stop in a, at a mental ascent. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is, is, is God. I, and that was it. No, that belief, as we read the narrative of, of the book of Acts, we see these patterns that happen. And not every time I have one person say, well, uh, you know, uh, speaking in tongues is, is not uh, at, in every scenario. I said, well, you're right. But uh, in every one of these scenarios, as people are hearing, hearing the word of God, you don't, you don't see the, the writer of the book of Acts reiterate rep repentance either. But we know it's there. It's a part of the plan of salvation. We've got to repent. Repent of your sins or you'll die, or you'll die in your sins. We've got to repent. And so uh, we see what's happening uh, in these scenarios. So Zacchaeus stood uh, there and, and said to the Lord in this story of, of this tax collector. He said, Behold, Lord, I, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He understood his sin. He found faith in Jesus. And repentance was just that response to faith in Jesus. And Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house. Amen. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I'm so glad that the one I'm looking for was also looking for me. And he found me. Amen. And he changed my life. Zacchaeus' name means pure or innocent. And every time somebody asked him what his name was and he said Zacchaeus, or every time he heard someone call his name, Zacchaeus, he was reminded that he was not who he was supposed to be. He wasn't measuring up to his name. But this day, what we read about in Luke chapter 19, we see that a sinner found faith in Jesus Christ, and that faith brought him to repentance. Amen. I'm, I'm so glad that I, that I can look back on a day when I heard the gospel, realized I was a sinner, put my faith in Jesus, and I repented of my sins. And I've certainly had to repent a few times between that place and today.
But thank God uh, he's, he's allowed me that privilege of repenting. This is true for us as it was for Zacchaeus. We find ourselves in our sin. We put our faith in Jesus. That faith leads us to repentance. And we begin to become the best version of ourselves. I have to believe uh, that Zacchaeus heard the, uh, the message that, that John said about one coming after him who was going to baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I have to, have to believe that if Zacchaeus was alive on the day of Pentecost, he was there. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We'll talk more about the baptisms next Sunday. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you so much for your attention this morning. Uh, it's going to be a great, great day around here. Uh, I've got a lot of things planned for All Nations Sunday. It's going to be exciting. God bless you.